السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page 49 of the Quran which is the final page of Surah Al-Baqarah. So this surah is the longest surah of the Quran as we know and we are alhamdulillah today going to be on the final page of this surah so we are still on the third juz. In the previous episode we mentioned the longest verse of the Quran which was verse 282 of Surah Al-Baqarah and that was a verse in which Allah just spoke to us about the etiquette of the way that we preserve the rights of one another and the way that we engage in our transactions, in our trades, in our buying and selling, in incurring debt and the contracts that we sign and so on and so forth, the witnesses and the testimonies that we give. And the first verse that we're going to be covering today, 283 of Surah Al-Baqarah, is an extension of that previous verse. It is an extension of that previous verse in terms of another aspect with regards to those rights. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وَإِن كُنتُمْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ وَلَمْ تَجِدُوا كَاتِبًا فَرِهَانٌ مَقْبُوضَةٌ فَإِنْ أَمِنَ بَعْضُكُمْ بَعْضًا فَلْيُؤَدِّ الَّذِي اُتُمِنَ أَمَانَتَهُ وَلْيَتَّقِ اللَّهَ رَبَّهُ وَلَا تَكْتُمُ الشَّهَادَةُ وَمَنْ يَكْتُمْهَا فَإِنَّهُ آثِمٌ قَلْبُهُ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ If you are on a journey and cannot find a scribe, something should be handed over as security. But if you decide to trust one another, then let the one who is trusted fulfill his trust and let him be mindful of Allah Azza wa Jal, his Lord. Do not conceal evidence. Anyone who does so has a sinful heart and indeed Allah Azza wa Jal is fully aware of everything which you do. This is, as we said, it is an ex- extension of uh, the, it is an extension, if you like, of the previous verse. So the previous verse spoke about the contracts that we have, the witnesses that should be in place, the way that it should be written, all of those things that we discussed in detail in the previous verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that another dimension to this in the way that we may have transactions. So we said, for example, in the previous verse, that one of the exceptions that Allah gave subhanahu wa ta'ala is that if you're going to make an on-the-spot purchase, you weren't really intending to buy something, but you came and you saw something on offer and you thought, you know what, I want that. And now that you want that now, it may not be possible for you to get someone to write or to make a contract and to type it up. There may not even be witnesses or you may be able to find some witnesses but no contract and so on. Allah says, it's okay. That, in that circumstance, it's fine. This is another circumstance and that is that you may be traveling. And so when you're traveling, you may not necessarily have uh, witnesses, you may not necessarily have the ability to sit down and make up a contract and agree a contract and write a contract and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that one of the things that you can do, especially if the trade that you're going to be uh, engaged in is a big trade, it's a big amount, Allah says, You may give a surety, a security or a deposit that the other person takes. So for example, I want to buy a car. And I'm traveling. I don't have the money right now with me. I don't carry, carry 10,000 pounds around with me while I'm traveling. And that's the value of the car. I say to him, but what I do have is 1,000 pounds. I will give this to you as surety, as a deposit. 
and I don't have anyone around to, with me to write a contract or anything else, then it's enough. So when we return back home, I will give you the remaining £9,000, you give me the car. And if we return back home, and for example, you know, you say, I don't want to sell you the car, whatever, you give me the £1,000 back, and we then can go back to something else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this is one another way that you can ensure that your rights are fulfilled. And that's sometimes something which a person has to do in terms of their business because they don't have the luxury of someone coming and saying, I want to make a booking for this horn, I want to make a booking for whatever it may be. And then you say, okay, but I need you to give me a deposit. And they're like, no. And then last minute they cancel, last minute they don't come, they don't turn up. So you've lost the opportunity to give that service or that place to someone else who may have wanted and paid you for it. Sometimes you need to take a deposit depending upon your circumstances and the type of business that you're engaged in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, that is something which is permissible. But one of the things that it should be is maqbooda. It should be something that you take. It is a deposit that you can define and a deposit that you receive that is therefore under your care. Allah says, فَإِنْ أَمِنَ بَعْضُكُمْ بَعْضًا But if you trust one another, meaning that you are, you know, you don't really have, you don't really think that you need to have scribes or contracts or witnesses. You trust one another. You know this person. You trust them in terms of their iman, in terms of their honesty, in terms of their integrity. Then Allah Azza wa says, "That's up to you." Then let the one who is trusted fulfill his trust. You say, look, I don't need anything from you. I don't need a deposit from you. I know you. I trust you and so on and so forth. I just know that you're going to fulfill your bargain. Allah Azza wa says, you should fulfill that trust then. And you should fear your Lord. And Allah Azza wa says, never conceal testimony. Never conceal evidence. If you are someone who knows and has knowledge, and then someone needs you to come forth and to speak on their behalf, then you should do so. Whatever that situation may be, you should come and you should do so. And to not do so would make you sinful. To conceal evidence or to withhold testimony makes you sinful. You know, you saw someone did something or you were part of that contract and you know what was said. And now there is oppression that is being taken place. And that is why the Prophet said, as we know in the hadith, Help your brother whether they they are the oppressor the oppressed. The companion said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, if they're being oppressed, we understand how to help them. But if they're the oppressor, how do you help them? He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, stop that oppression from others. You're in a position that you can stop that oppression taking place by giving evidence, by, by coming forth as a witness, then you should do so. And Allah says, Wallahu bima alim, for indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fully aware of everything that you do. In verse 284, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَإِن تُبَدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ يُحَاسِبَكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Whatever is in the heavens and in the earth belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. And whether you reveal or conceal your thoughts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold you to account for them. He will forgive for whoever he wishes and punish whomsoever he wishes. Indeed, he has power over all things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse towards the very end of Surah Al-Baqarah, in many ways, 
establishes the principle or the objective of this surah, and that is that this surah speaks about the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and speaks about the way that the Muslims should conduct themselves in terms of their awareness of Allah azza wa jalla, and the consciousness of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, and their submission towards to Him and to His laws and His commands subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jalla says, to Allah belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. Everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to Allah azza wa jalla. That which you can see and that which you cannot. That which is apparent and that which is hidden. That which is open for everyone to witness and that which has been concealed from the eyes. All of it belongs to Allah azza wa jalla. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَإِن تُبْدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ So if you make clear and aware that which is, uh, or you, you do something openly, or whether you conceal it, Allah azza wa jalla will hold you to account for it. So actions that you perform openly, that you physically do, that people can see, that people can witness, or that you do at home, but it is an action that you perform, Allah Azza wa Jalla will hold you to account for it. Whether it is good or whether it is evil, يُحَاسِبْكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ And Allah Azza wa Jalla also says, and that which you conceal and hide, which is in your heart, which no one else may know, no one else is aware of, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala also holds you to account for that. Now we know from the Sunnah, of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will not hold us to account for the thoughts that we have so long as we don't utter them or act upon them. So how then do we understand these two verses? Here Allah is saying that he will hold us to account for everything that we do whether it is apparent or hidden. And here the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying that the thoughts that you have you are not held to account for unless you act upon them or verbalize them, speak about them and so on. Allah Azza wa is essentially saying in the verse that the type of thought or the type of concealed action that you are held to account for is the firm intention or conviction that you have of the heart. That is what Allah Azza wa holds you to account for. Whereas the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying that the, the thing that you are not held to account for are the mere thoughts that you have, that you don't then turn into conviction. For example, someone says, or someone has the thought that they should go and rob something from, steal something from a shop. That's the thought that comes in. They dismiss that thought. Allah Azza wa doesn't hold you to account for it. They dismiss that thought, or it's something which came in, or you know, it's like a curiosity, or whatever it may be, just a thought that comes into their mind, or they're watching something, or seeing something, and they're like, oh, I wonder what that feels like, or I wonder what that would be, be like, and then they just dismiss it. It's a silly thought. They were, they were never going to plan or look or firmly you know, even try to go and, and, and look at some. They, it was just a thought that came into their mind and they dismiss it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't hold you to account for that. But the person who has the thought, then he makes the firm conviction. And they want to go and they want to start planning and they want to start going and scouting the area. And so, that person has that firm conviction. And then for one reason or another, they're prevented. Not that they stop, there is a difference between the one who has the firm conviction and then remembers Allah and they stop. The Prophet ﷺ told us that there are four types of deeds that emanate from the heart, only four types. The first person is the one who has the firm conviction to do a good deed and then they're unable to do so. For example, I want to pray, but then I fall ill or I become busy or something happens and it prevents me from praying, a genuine reason. Allah still gives you a deed for a good deed for that. If I go and then perform the action, I get at least 10 good deeds all the way up to 700 and Allah may multiply as much as He wishes subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone else comes and they have a firm conviction to do an evil deed. They want to go and rob that shop, steal from someone. But then they remember Allah and they stop. 
they repent to Allah, they stop. Allah turns that conviction into a good deed because they stop for the sake of Allah. And the person who goes ahead and does it, then Allah holds them to account for it. Now the one who goes ahead and does it, this person who has the firm conviction, they concealed it in their heart, but they have the firm conviction that they want to do something haram, something which Allah has made haram. But then they're prevented for a reason that is out of their control. They didn't repent. They didn't turn back. They didn't stop willingly. They didn't remember Allah and say, no, that's haram. I'm going to stay away. They were fully willing to do so. They were actually going to go out now and go and steal. But then someone came to their house. They had an unexpected guest or on the way their, their car broke down or something happened and it prevents them from reaching that end result. They are still held to account in terms of their sin because they didn't stop. They would have fully gone ahead. But it was just the circumstance that came in their way. And that may be a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that person in that scenario. But at the same time, they still committed a sin because of the conviction that they had. That is what Allah is referring to. If you have something in your heart that you conceal, you want to harm someone, do some haram, do some evil, and then you're just prevented from doing so, outside of your control, Allah says, يُحَاسِبْكُمْ بِهِ Whereas the Prophet ﷺ is not speaking about that type of conviction. He's speaking about the stage before, which is just what the, what the mind, you know, what you say to yourself, the internal thoughts that you have in your mind. That is what Allah doesn't hold you to account for. But the moment it turns into conviction, it now becomes an action of the heart. And that is why we say in Islam that there are two types of actions. Actions of the heart, actions of the limbs. So just as your tawakkul in Allah your certainty in Allah's promise, your love of Allah, your fear of Allah, all of these are actions of the heart, then likewise there are sins of the heart that you can perform also, and that is things like arrogance and so on, and from them is to have this type of conviction when it comes to sin. So I think that is important to understand. Allah says, then He will hold you to account for those things. He may forgive whomsoever he wills. Punish whomsoever he wills. Clearly from the believers, if they do some wrong, he may punish or forgive them. The disbelievers will always be punished in the next life. And indeed Allah has ability over all things. Verse 285 is the penultimate verse of Surah Al-Baqarah. And 286 is the last verse of Surah Al-Baqarah. These two verses are mentioned uh, as being some of the virtuous verses of the Quran. They are known for their virtue and for certain uh, for certain things that the Prophet said concerning them. So they are considered, for example, the Prophet mentioned them as being from the treasures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him. From the treasures of the Quran are these two verses, the last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. And in the hadith of Abu Mas'ud al-Ansari radiyallahu anh, that is collected in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa whosoever reads these verses at night before they sleep, kafata, they will be sufficient for him, meaning that they will prevent them from any harm that particular night. And so they are virtuous uh, ayat and verses of the Qur'an that should be recited, should be memorized and should be studied. In verse 285, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, آمَنَ الرَّسُولُ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ كُلٌّ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْ رُسُلِهِ وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ The Messenger believes in what has been sent down to him from his Lord as do the faithful, meaning the believers. They all believe in Allah, His angels, His scriptures and His messengers 
and they make no distinction between any of his messengers. They say we hear and we obey. Grant us your forgiveness, our Lord. Indeed, to you we shall all return. This verse is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal outlining the belief of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the aqeedah, the belief, the faith that he had, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his theology. And therefore the theology and the belief of the believers who follow him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that is that they believe in everything that Allah revealed to them, to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They believe in Allah's laws, they believe in Allah's commands, they believe in the stories and parables that Allah sent, they believe in the affairs of the unseen that Allah has told them about, they believe in everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them. And that is the crux of faith. The essence of faith is to have that type of belief in everything. So for example, in the last couple of episodes, we've mentioned things about transactions. And we said that one of those things that Allah legislated is that when it comes to testimony in terms of transactions and so on, the witness of two women is equal to the witness of one man. That's something which Allah revealed in the Quran. The believers are those people who submit to every verse of the Quran. They believe in what Allah revealed to them, even if they may personally have some issue with that from a personal situation or a logical thing or whatever, they may have some gripe with this. But that is shaitan coming to them and trying to make them discontent with their Lord and their religion. So their challenge now is to overcome that personal discontentment that they have that is emanating from shaitan, from the whisperings of their soul, and to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather than, uh, than, than inflaming that thought that they have in their heart, that discontentment, and dismissing what Allah has said, or putting that as a secondary preference, to put, put, to put that down as a secondary preference. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the believers, the messenger of Allah, they believe in everything. They believe in Allah, all of them. They believe in Allah and they believe in his angels and they believe in his scriptures and they believe in his messengers and they say we make no distinction between them. As we said before, that it is not from good conduct that we uh, pit one messenger against another. Even though we know that Allah has given some of them virtues over another, but that is not done in way, uh, by way of arrogance or by way of demeaning or diminishing the status of one messenger of Allah from another. But rather they say, the believers, we hear and we obey. Whatever Allah says, we listen to it and we submit to it fully. We want your forgiveness. And therefore from the greatest means of seeking forgiveness from Allah and attaining forgiveness, is this what Allah Azza has mentioned, and that is that you obey Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you hear and you obey. By doing so, Allah Azza will give you His forgiveness. If you fulfill your wajibat, your obligations, and you stay away from the muharramat, your the prohibitions that Allah has placed upon you, that is one of the greatest ways of achieving and attaining Allah's forgiveness. And they know that they will return to their Lord. In verse two hundred and eighty-six, the final verse of the surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ وَعَلَيْهَا مَكْتَسَبَتْ Indeed, Allah does not burden any soul with more than it can bear. Indeed, that which it gains of good, each gains whatever good it has done and suffers is bad. Allah gives us a beautiful principle in our religion. In this final verse of Surah Al-Baqarah, that is, that Allah does not burden you with something that you cannot bear. So therefore, everything that you have upon you in terms of the challenges, the hardships, the difficulties, the trials and tests, they are placed upon you because Allah knows that you can deal with them. Allah knows that you have the strength and the ability to deal with them. And it is your challenge to find 
the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during that difficulty and during that challenge and trial. But if you can do so, Allah knows that you have a, that you can find that path towards Him. Likewise, Allah does not place upon us a burden in terms of the sharia that we cannot bear. You can't pray standing, pray sitting. You can't make wudu with water, make tayammum. Whatever it may be, Allah has made a way out for us. But know that what you do, whether of good or bad, it is upon you. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ The soul, for, that, for it is that which it earns of good. وَعَلَيْهَا مَا اكْتَسَبَتْ And upon it is that which it has attained of evil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us of a number of du'as that the believers make. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنَّ سِينَا أَوْ أَخْضَعْنَا They say, oh Allah, do not hold us to task if we forget or make mistakes. And these du'as that we're going to be mentioning now, the Prophet told us وسلم, in the hadith of Ibn Abbas عنهم, that is collected in Sahih Muslim, he said that Allah responded and he said, Qad fa'alt. I have done so. Allah granted these du'as and it is from the greatest of mercy of Allah upon this ummah that certain things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven us for, pardoned us for, we are not held to account for. The first of them is that if we forget something, Allah doesn't hold us to account. You forgot that you were fasting, so you ate and drank, you are not held to account for it. You forgot that it was time to pray, genuinely forgot, because you just became busy with something, and your mind was just somewhere else, and you genuinely forgot, not out of any laziness of your part, or any uh, any uh, you know, any any shortfalling or shortcoming upon your part, Allah doesn't hold you to account for it. Or the genuine mistakes that we make, you genuinely misunderstood something, or you genuinely did something, that you didn't intend to do any harm, but it just turned out that way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't hold you to account for that. Allah has forgiven us for our mistakes, our genuine mistakes, and He has forgiven us for the things that we forget. رَبَّنَا وَلَا تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْنَا إِسْرًا كَمَا حَمَلْتَهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا Oh Allah, do not burden, oh Allah do not burden us as you burden those before us. Meaning, Allah, don't make things as difficult upon us as you did for some of the nations that came before. Bani Israel, as we know, because we've mentioned a number of the examples throughout this amazing surah of the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, they had upon them certain restrictions and laws that were placed that were difficult, hard to do. They could bear them, they could do them, but they were difficult. In terms of their food, in terms of the way that they could fish on the Sabbath and hunt, in terms of the things that they were able to do or they couldn't do, they had difficulty upon them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted a great deal of burden from us. For example, from those things, as the Prophet told us, that when people used to have to pray before, they could only pray in a place that was dedicated for prayer. They had to go, for example, to the masjid. They could only pray. They imagine for us if we could only pray in the masjid. Now you're working, you're busy, you have to pray five times a day, you're at home, you have children, you have all of these things, we're traveling, whatever. You can only pray in a masjid. You would have to find a masjid. And in certain places and in certain areas, it's not as easy as it may be in others. But from the blessings of Allah is that He made the whole earth a place of prayer. That's just one example of the burden that Allah lifted from this ummah. And so when we think about, oh, this is difficult or it's too hard, whatever, Allah has told us that He has made it easy for us. And yes, there is still some difficulty that is inherent in the worship of Allah because that is the way everything is. When you go to work, when you earn uh, something when you when you when you want to achieve something or accomplish something or whatever it may be, there is always inherent difficulty involved. So likewise, when it comes to in terms of fulfilling your Islamic obligations as well. رَبَّنَا وَلَا تُحَمِّلْنَا مَا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا بِهِ. And oh Allah, do not burden us with more than we have the strength to bear. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not made anything upon us that it's overly difficult. And if it is, then there are concessions. If there is something, it is there is concessions upon it. For example, the person who physically can't go and make hajj, we're told that someone can go and make hajj on their behalf. Allah Azza wa has lifted burdens upon you. You physically or you financially cannot give zakah. You don't have you don't have the money to give zakah. There is no zakah due upon you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't place upon you a burden that you cannot bear. But oh Allah, pardon us, forgive us, have mercy upon us. You are our protectors who help us against the disbelievers. This is an amazing verse of the Quran and it is full of these du'as that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has out of his mercy answered for this ummah and we ask Allah azza wa jal as he mentions in this verse to pardon us, to forgive us and to shower his mercy upon us as we come to the end of the tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah and we ask Allah azza wa jal that he gives us the life and the ability to continue with this tafsir until we complete his book and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from the people of knowledge and understanding and the people who when they read the book of Allah azza wa jal they contemplate upon its signs and upon its lessons and they benefit from it and they take that knowledge and place it into action. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and may Allah reward us for studying his book and grant us the blessings of the Quran in this life and in the next. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim 